Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good weekend so far. I'm with you until seven this Saturday morning. After six, I'm in conversation. But first, it's the best of Steve Allen. My weekly roundup of some of the best bits from my early breakfast shows, starting with this. What a week from hell we've had. We've had quite a few of those weeks recently. Still homeless families, still hundreds and hundreds of people missing. Uh, They think the death toll could rise to over 100. They don't know because they've got to bring special... Uh, uh, people in who know about this. Forensic experts, people can tell, but the intensity of the heat was such that some people may never be identified. They might uh, be having people on lists for ages and ages. And the desperate hunt for those other tower block traps, other ones that have had exactly the same cladding put in there. And the big question is, how in God's name did this fire take off so fast? It is the charity, isn't it? I've never known um, a place like this country where we mobilise ourselves within, which seems in a matter of minutes, people people sort of get themselves together and, and out of nowhere come all these different different factions of the community. And it's everybody. It's from corner shops to mosques. Everybody, because this, this is sort of a multi-faith tower block. I mean, it really is multi-faith. It's got everybody. The first person to be identified, I think, was a Syrian refugee. It's got everybody, but everybody comes together. And if you look at the clothing and the shoes that have been donated and people donating rooms and people giving, you know, up money and doing... I mean, it's just phenomenal. It's phenomenal. That's what we do the best. And that's what I said the other day. I'm hoping we all do now, that we start coming together as a country, not fighting this section of community, that section of community, but everybody comes together because, you know, everybody feels everybody else's pain. And that's what the media's done. A friend of mine went down there yesterday, he's a a fellow presenter, just around the corner, and he said he went down there, he said, but there were no officials. No, he didn't see anybody from the council. When he got off the, the, uh, the station at Latimer Road, there were a couple of police officers there. He said, and then you see that tower block. He said, and then you see the burnt out shell. It's still smouldering. It's still smouldering. Uh, in fact, you know, as yesterday, we said we, we did check with our reporter, Rachel Venables, and she said they couldn't see any fire, but it might have been round the other side. But she said it's still smouldering. And that's the thing that, you know, the, and now it's the, now it's the anger. Now it's the anger. Now it's the people getting angry, going, how can this have been allowed to happen? How can we have got to that stage where something, whether or not it was a fridge, whether it was, we don't know. At the moment, it's all it's all guesswork until they get in there properly and start working out exactly where they think this this fire started. But the big question was, and Darren had the question, is how how fast does it have to go? It's like 10, 15 minutes. And the place was ablaze. Was it the gap behind? Well, I don't know. I can't even begin to guess on the stupid thing because it, I don't know anything about it. It'd be pointless. All I know is bits were falling off the outside, which to me indicates that it's the cladding that's the thing that is helping the fire spread from flat to flat to flat to flat. And that's exactly what happened. There were a couple of gaps in it. One of them might have been that lady who said she uh, she flooded the bathroom because, let's face it, they're not going to, you know, rebuild this place, are they? Then I mean, I'm assuming it will come down at some point. That's going to be a, a major piece of work, isn't it, to take down something that's 27 stories tall? But it's 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 the politicians, isn't it? Corbyn scored some points. He went down there. He was talking to people. You know, people in in that area. I think a lot of these things, and it sounds terribly cynical, it's good PR. Out of a tragedy comes good PR. So Jeremy Corbyn scored brownie points yesterday by going down there and talking to people. Theresa May didn't talk to anybody. You know, she should have done. Now, whether or not she doesn't, because... And then, you know, there's various arguments about all the the cost-cutting. Osborne 
is now started saying, oh, you know, we should donate for the firemen. This is the person who is responsible for sort of cutting back left, right and centre. You know, Theresa May obviously isn't comfortable going and meeting ordinary people. I don't know why. I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to go and meet ordinary people and feel their pain and feel their, their suffering down there. But it's you. It's you lot out there. And I have to say you lot because I can't name people individually because I don't know. But you're the ones who put your hands in your pockets. People who put their hands in their pockets who don't really have pockets. And they put their hand in and they give something. You know, kids have given toys. And uh, I saw a, a thing on Twitter earlier on of somebody who said, I've got um, 21 bedsits available. And it turned... Because I remember thinking, ooh, 21 bedsits, what, what sort of place is that? And it turns out it's student accommodation. They're off till July. And so they're saying you can use that. And I thought, that's brilliant, isn't it? Because they've got nothing. They've got nothing. There's me worrying about my pyjamas turning up the other day. And they've lost everything in their flats. You know, pets, loved ones, family. There's one girl, they think the whole family's gone. There's only her left. But that heartening story was of that girl who went to take her, was it her GCSEs? Unbelievable. Unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody takes their GCSEs after, after that, that tragedy. And people were down there. There's, um, there's some, obviously, people going down there for the wrong reasons. People being slightly ghoulish. There's one woman turned up on the television. She's had convictions for pretending to do things. And she was pretending again. The other day. So uh, she's been caught out by the newspapers. But I think it's the anger. I heard that on some of the calls to Darren the other day. uh, Sorry, this morning, where people getting very, very hot under the collar and saying, I want to see prosecution. We all want to see prosecutions, believe you me. But these these uh, these panels that get together, it could be years down the line. And the, and the reason I say that is because they sort of they don't leave any stone unturned. They have to go down there and they have to make sure that sort of it's all done properly. So by the time you get to the end, you'll have forgotten about it. I promise you. You know, two years down the line, they'll be going, so are we any nearer? Well, it's so far this inquiry has cost us, you know, £6 million or something. It'll probably cost the amount of money it costs to clad the place to do this blasted inquiry. Because there'll be people who go, well, nothing to do with us. We only followed the regulations. You know, and, uh, and then you've got to argue that one out. It'll be years. And when you eventually get to it, we'll have forgotten, won't we? We will have forgotten exactly what went on and just how tragic it was and how LBC covered it. From the moment it started, the other news places were way behind. Way behind. And that's what we did. But we did it with your help. We did it with your help. You were the ones who phoned up the taxi drivers, the minicab drivers, you know, the residents who phoned LBC up to tell us what was going on. That's what's so important about radio. That's why radio is so immediate. That's how you can do these things. Believe you me, I mean, all of our lives around here have been turned upside down. You don't know whether you're coming or going half the time. You get, what sort of programme are we doing tonight? Okay, well, we're doing this, so we're going to go blanket on it. So we go blanket. So when we bring you up to date, because as people wake up, You know, contrary to what people think, I don't think everybody wakes up at four in the morning. There'll be a lot of people who are hanging over and some people join us at five and some people join us at six. And so you have to make sure that because people go, oh, you've just repeated this. You go, yes, it's for people who are just joining. You want to make sure that everybody's covered. But I said yesterday and I've asked around, actually, and it's surprising, isn't it, that I don't think any of us know anybody around here who lives in a tower block. What does that say? What does that say about tower block? Because they've said in this particular area... It's mixed. It's very ethnic. It's poor people, rich people, celebrities, all sorts of people. It became fashionable to live in tower blocks years ago because of the fantastic views. But then something like this happens and you kind of rethink, don't you? Start re-evaluating. Because I told you we're worried about a member of the team who's moving into a tower block. 
he doesn't quite understand why we're so worried about this, but uh, it sounds like it's a bit of a luxury sort of place. But uh, you'd have to think about these things, wouldn't you? If I went into a tower block now, if I was, you know, renting a place or I bought a place or whatever, and I'd be sort of, right, in the, in the event of something happening, how do I get out? Where, where, where is the out place here? Where is, where is the safety? You know, what will happen? Will the lifts turn off? Has it got ducts? I mean, these blocks should have, they should have sprinkler systems. I don't know how much it costs to do a sprinkler system, but, you know, they should have it because it's a fire trap. If they've had fires with this cladding before, then surely, surely you should be thinking, well, we shouldn't be putting that in there. So we obviously need to change the the laws, don't we, about what you can have on a building and what you can't have on a building. And quite clearly, if you check the outside of your building and you've got anything that looks like this, I'd start getting in contact with your landlords and finding out what they're doing about it. So at least you've made... An inroad. I mean, the people down at Grenfell Towers, they were the ones. They, they'd been complaining bitterly for ages. And nobody had taken a blind. They stuck two fingers up there on your bike. We're not going to do anything about it. They'd been complaining. This is a fire trap. This is, you know, a disaster waiting to happen. Hello. Welcome to the real world. And what do they do? Nothing. Absolutely. To use that well-known French saying, bugger all, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing at all. You know, and you just get a statement saying, oh, we're very sorry about... Very sorry... Very sorry. I'd want a bit more than very sorry. Thank you very much indeed. Why don't they take any notice of people who live in a place like that, who can who can tell you exactly what it's like and how dangerous they think it is? How can a company or anybody, councillors or anybody, just turn their back on people and go, uh, listen, we just spent 10 million doing this place up, you know, and it was all done to the proper regulations. It might have been, but quite clearly the regulations need looking at again. Quite clearly we need to rethink because this is just not good enough. People complain, you know, the very vociferous residents association. I laugh because, you know, generally speaking, people go, oh, somebody else deals with that. Somebody else deals with that. But they're very vociferous. And they were right. They were absolutely right. And the other companies, they just couldn't care less. They just they just basically ignored them. Why did they ignore them? And if this if this, you know, Theresa May said, oh, we're definitely going to have a thorough inquiry. I should blooming well think so. You know, we've had so many whitewashes over the years, haven't we, of people sort of brushing it under the carpet and going, well, you know, at least lessons have been learned. How many bloody times have you heard that? Lessons have been learned. We don't want lessons learning. This is the year 2017. We want a bit of action. We want it, you know, when a lot of people come together and say, this is wrong, we want somebody to go, well, let's have a look at it. Let's have a look at it. It's just terrible. It really is terrible. This is LBC with Steve Allen. I came into town yesterday uh, for lunch. So I, was, I, I came in for, for breakfast. Well, actually, I came in to do the programme. Then we went for a walk around Regent's Park. And then uh, we went for breakfast. Then I went home. Then I changed my shirt. Then I drove back into town. Little realising that London was at lockdown yesterday because there was a bike ride taking place. Honestly, how many bloody bike rides do we need? Did you do the naked one again? Oh, right, OK. You couldn't get anywhere, though, on this bike ride, because there was the naked one. And to be honest with you, I don't know which side of the saddle to put it. I really don't. I don't know. Right? Who cares? You know, got a mind of its own sometimes. But anyway, and so I just thought, both, yes. I thought I'd just tie a flag to it. (laughs) Do me own thing, you know. I'm I'm waving for the country. Anyway, I don't know why I went down that route, actually. But uh, the one thing I learnt was that when London goes into lockdown, they locked off the whole of the Strand. Literally, both sides. You couldn't get anywhere. And I needed to get to Covent Garden. And so I'm thinking, where do I go for Covent Garden? So anyway, so we went... I went down the Euston Road, veered off at the end by uh, by the, the bit there, uh, which where it crosses the end of Tottenham Court Road, 
And then I came in. I was going to go to Endell Street in Covent Garden. No, that was all closed off. Endell Street was... So what we did, and a few of us did it, I went the wrong way down a street and then nipped in to Covent Garden, came in at Seven Dials, went down there, then turned left, then went up and then came in by the Opera House and managed to find loads of parking spaces because nobody could get into town. And it was all... What time was that women's cycle race yesterday? Because we finished lunch at about half past one and nobody had appeared up until that point. Was it late afternoon? What, why do we have to put up with that? It really, honestly, you couldn't get... I mean, I know it's professional women racing in the Women's Tour of Britain, but to be honest with you, I don't, we've had the naked bit, seen you, and, um, you know, people cycling on their, on their bicycles. Why do people want to take their clothes off and go on a cycle? Why would you want to do that? What is the purpose of that? I just cannot quite, you know, I remember sitting, I think it was two years ago, I was at Hyde Park Corner, and, and I was at the traffic lights, and I looked to the left, and I went, I'll look back again, and so, and, I, and I've, I'm surrounded, I've got cycles on both sides of me, I've got more willies in my left-hand window than I've seen in an entire life, and then on the other side, and it's, it's just naked, what is the point of people taking their clothes off. It's not comfortable. I know, because when I went to Vienna some years ago, uh, there was a certain part of the Danube which is nude. And so a friend of mine said, let's go out, let's rent some bicycles and go nude cycling. Well, it's very uncomfortable. I mean, so if you've got a little racing saddle, I mean, seriously, it's quite dangerous. And so we went out. Also, I forgot to put suntan lotion on, so I'm now getting burnt in all the wrong places. And you suddenly realise that people who ride naked on bicycles or people who are naturists are doing it for a reason they want to show off their bits that's what they're doing it they're not doing it for any of this rubbish like we just want to get the sun to our body because otherwise you just sit in the back garden they want to exhibit themselves go to brighton go to brighton take the volks railway go along the back and naturists who are, they stand up they stand up so you can set the train slows down so you can take pictures of naked people so I've cut out the middleman. I sit on the Volks train with no clothes on. You know, it's far more exciting. It freaks people out completely. What is it about... Su- and they do this naked bike ride everywhere. It goes around the world. They were doing it... You know, I think they've done it in Stockholm. They've done it in Amsterdam. They wanted to do it in Iceland, but to be honest with you, nobody was too sure of the sex of the people. It's so bloody cold over there. So uh, they didn't do it. They didn't do it. Have they got gay bars in Iceland? Oh. So I'm just, I'm just sort of thinking, thinking out the box, actually, this morning. I'll climb back in the box. There I am, back in the box again. No, but why do people do this naked? But and there seem to be more of them every year, and it's always the elderly. What is it about the elderly? You want to show saggy boobs and saggy bottoms hanging both sides of the saddle and saggy other bit? It just doesn't look great, does it? I mean, come on. If you're over the age of, so I'm having a look at pictures now. I don't know why we're looking at pictures. Why do they wave? Why do they wave? They're cycling and they go yeah, and then you get people, pervy people. That's the um, where's that? I think that's the Strand, isn't it? Is that it is? Yeah, coming down to Trafalgar Square. That's there's, there's people. The Charing Cross stations on the left-hand side. There's people taking photographs of people on. How many other pictures are there? Is there a set of them? Or, you know, just wondered. It's just amazing, isn't it? That people want to take pictures of them. Perverts on the right-hand side. There, it's dreadful. But it also takes place in Los Angeles, Barcelona, Brighton, probably Australia. I should imagine at some point. Although that's quite normal, isn't it, over there? I can't imagine why anybody would want to do it. It just seems very unnecessary. It's just, it's very exhibitionist. I don't, and they've all got their, their sort of little backpacks on and all the rest of it, but they're naked apart from that. And they only show you in all the official photos, the rear view. 
Who wants to see the rear view? Oh, OK. So, we get, I mean, this is just odd, isn't it? It's just not normal. Is it just people who want to sort of show other people their, their bodies? I mean, I just... Seriously. What's my neighbour? And um, it's it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Bring back what? What's it say on there? Global warm... Oh, blimey. Yeah, addressed to Donald Trump. Bring back global warming. And it's somebody naked on a bicycle. It's just not comfy to ride a bike like that. I don't care what... Oh, come on, look at this. This one's got a unicycle. But he's obviously being very... He's obviously Mr Teeny Tiny, because he's covering it with a bit of paper. What's the point? Either you're taking your clothes off or you're not. Well, there they are at Pizza Hut on the Strand. Nobody's stopping for a pizza. Why is it... It's just... It just doesn't look right, does it? They've all got things stamped on their back. But it's... Oh, they're using public hire... Oh, oh, there's a woman using a Santander bike. That is really awful. They don't even possess their own bikes. And they said, oh, no. Oh, no, I shan't be using those bikes again. Thank you very much indeed. You don't know who they've been ridden by. Isn't that odd, isn't it? Strange thing. I don't know why people are so obsessed with taking their clothes. There never seems to be that many of them. I don't know how many take part in this thing. Kept me going for ten minutes on the... Let me look. So there they are, some naked people. Uh, four of them, women, covering their boobs up. The moment the photographer's gone, they take their hands away. What's the point? What is the point? It's called exhibitionism. You know, either you're going topless or you're sort of going pretend topless. And then there's some, some men. Well, I say men, we're using the term loosely. And uh, and some people who cheat and wear clothes. I mean, they're, they're the real pervy ones because they're in clothes, cycling with the people who haven't got clothes on. That's not right, is it? But it's the tourists taking pictures of it. Perhaps there's some sort of strange... Perhaps I just haven't grasped this one. Perhaps I just don't sort of get it. Next picture. So far, we haven't seen anything that I've not seen before. It's just on the streets of London. Nice uh, nice sunny day it was yesterday. But anyway, so I managed to get into London, parked up, had a lovely meal, lovely meal, and then uh, got back out of London again. It was all, all in all, it was very jolly. It's just the fact that London goes into meltdown when they, they close off roads and everything. And nobody's standing by the barriers. Because cyclists on this thing, it was it's like when we had the... It wasn't the Tour de France, was it, when we had all the... What was Bradley Wiggins doing? What was it? What was that one? Was that... Tour of Britain. That was very exciting. We, we did a lot of walking for that one and watched that. But um, the sort of professional women. So you've got professional Very shortly we'll have uh, gay and then there'll be transgender cycling racers. It's, it, it's everybody. Everybody's got to get a look in, haven't they? You don't want to miss anybody out unless you can encompass them into this motley little collection of naked cyclists in London. But it goes on every year. It takes place every single year. Steve Allen on LBC. I'm watching everything on the television at the moment. I was watching all the... I was watching the jewel... One of those um, channels that sells jewellery the other day. There appears to be a proliferation of it. I've never seen so many. Some of it is absolute drivel and rubbish. And they get so excited, these uh, these presenters. I don't know what the briefing is. Can you sit there and go, oh, this is just... As they polish this bit of cheap stuff with a, with a cloth, they go, oh, this is just... This is... Oh. I told you the other day, I heard one of them say, and I, I nearly fell off the settee laughing. She said... You'll, you can't find this on the high street. It's so rare. And I thought, no, it's because it's rubbish. That's why, you know, people would laugh you. I bet jewellers must sit there watching some of this stuff on the television going, what are you flogging? What are you coming up with? The lies that they come up with as well. It's absolutely unbelievable. This is worn by so-and-so. Collectors around the world are going mad for this one. Yesterday, one of them, I don't know which, I can't remember any of them, uh, she was selling opals. And it's from this lake. 
and it's the rarest thing, and it's got the cobalt blue. And she's describing a piece of garbage, which is, you know, she said, and we'll never do it at this price ever again, because the, we, we had a parcel of it, and there isn't any more of it. I thought, well, if there's a parcel of it, surely it goes up in price. Not on these places, it goes down for some strange... Yes, because it's discontinued, because they're buying rubbish. You know, and they go, oh, you'll be so lucky. There's, there's one of them on there. You've really got to watch. If you want to watch Insincerity, I mean, that covers most of them. But there's one in particular, used to be a Brucey one for turning the cards. And she's like, so showbiz. She's like, so, so showbiz. And this hit, oh, it's gorgeous. And you think to yourself, I wish you'd get off my television. You're about as infuriating as Edwina Curry going on about eggs. I mean, seriously, she's so irritated. You, you can't miss her. She's the old one on there. And she'll always sit with somebody and go, but this is just, look at this, honestly, this is, uh, this is just, and you think, I'm sorry, could you speak? Is it possible to speak? Why do you just tell people? It, you know, what I want to do is have it transmitted in everybody's homes and then have me in a little box going, this is rubbish. You don't want to buy this. This is the biggest pile of crap you've ever seen in your entire life. I want to be up in that little... You know, years ago, you'd have the person doing the, the, uh, the sign language. I want to be there going, this is really crap. This is really rubbish. Don't bother wasting your money. And she goes, and it's set in, in uh, Zircon. And uh, with sort of a, with a silver overlay. And they come up with all these things. And you think, perhaps the sort of people who buy this rubbish are sort of only used to seeing jewellery at Christmas crackers. Because that's about the level of it. You know, they used to sell some high-end stuff, but most of it. And then sometimes, to add a little bit of authenticity, they bring you a bloke sitting there. We never got any idea who he is. There's a bloke sitting there, or there was an old woman we sat there for ages. And she sat there going on about, this is just amazing. And then the girl sitting next to them. I mean, seriously, when I first saw it, and I come closer. When I first saw it, I thought they were making a pornographic film. Because she was going into raptures about some tat piece of jewellery. And I didn't quite get it. I understand now it's to convince stupid people to buy into this stuff. Because they, they you know that they all come across as going, well, collectors everywhere are going mad for this one. And there's one of them, she's so desperate, she can't think of anything else to talk about, so she reels off a list of women's names, throwing in the occasional sort of bloke's name. She'll go, and Maria in Stockholm, you know, Wilma in Bedrock, all this, you know, she comes up with all these things, Bam Bam in Bedrock as well, and all these different names, you know, hold on the line, you're going to get this, this is, and I'm thinking, you know, she probably sells a load of it because she's quite convincing, but there again, her claim to fame was turning over cars for Bruce Forsyth. I think at one point she said, my mother would, lo- my mother would love this, I thought she wouldn't. She really, she would absolutely hate you for this kind of stuff. <laughs> but anyway, it's, en- it's entertaining. Steve Allen on LBC. Nogger. I'm just throwing some words at you this morning. A few people recognise this. The uh, pronunciation is particularly bad, I'll tell you that. Zostan. Zostan. What what that means? The way I'm gesticulating probably means go away or something. Uh, Chots. Chots. We're going chots. This is this poor dog that only speaks Polish. You know. He only understands Polish. (laughs) He only speaks... It'd be great if he spoke, wouldn't it? Give him a job. So, taking over Steve Allen's show today, it's, it's a dog called Caleb. So it's got to be somebody who speaks Polish. He's a lovely dog. Uh, Rolka. Rolka. I say that to the producer all the time. Rolka, I say to him. It means roll over. Uh, apart, which is fetch. And dal is down. So there you go. Now you've got a basic grasp of Polish. Tomorrow, Cantonese. We'll be trying every language. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC. With Steve Allen. Well, quite right, you know. Every time they, uh, the BBC gets somebody uh, who they think is a so-so presenter, they shove them on just about everything to the point of boredom. And there's another one coming up. It's time. It's, uh, it's pitch battle 
with Will Young and Mel Gidroich again. I mean, seriously dull. Seriously dull. But apparently, uh, in this, because you remember that Will flounced off strictly last year after the judge Len Goodman criticised his dancing. So now he's bleached his hair and he's back again. And um, and so he's uh, signed up to be a guest judge in this new Saturday night singing talent show, Pitch Battle, which will see rival choirs facing off against each other for the title. It's already been done. It's already been done. Ali Jones hosted this ages ago. I think on the BBC. They obviously decided to keep it going for some reason. Anyway, producers have decided that one of the songs the group will perform is Will's debut hit, Evergreen, which he released after winning Pop Idol. The news won't go down well with him, though, because he can't stand it. He thinks it's the worst thing he's ever done. He says, it, I hate it, it's shocking. But uh, Mel Gidroy should be doing her usual... I mean, she must be the only case of somebody on television who is so plain, she rivals even plain biscuits baked by Mary Berry. Seriously, a plain person. Very, very plain, very dull. But it starts on Saturday on BBC One. They can't think of anything new, can they? They can't think of anything new. What should we have? Should we have an antiques programme? No. Cooking? Um, no, we're done cooking. Um, oh, let's do another singing show. How many blooming singing shows do we need? I said, how many... S- oh, sorry, I'll look at your head. Uh, and the what? Oh, the voice kids as well. I've seen that the trail for that one. That's where little people sing. And William's on the judging panel. Will I Am, William, not even his real name, and Pixie Lot as well. And I think Danny Jones is on it, isn't he? I like Danny Jones. I always liked Danny Jones. In fact, I liked all of... Were they McBusted or McFly? No, he was McFly, wasn't he? Because one of them, out of McFly... Which one is it? He's going off, he's in the the, the, the full Monty. And I think it's... I can't remember which one it is who's doing it. I can picture him. Believe you me, I can picture him. But uh, he was... Uh, he was going off to do the full Monty, and that's right, Harry Judd. Harry Judd. This is the ITV special. Elliot Wright. Ooh, how dull. Mark Foster. They're going to strip naked. Well, Harry Judd has already stripped naked on the internet. On the internet. And he kept trying to take the pictures down again, and somebody kept posting them back up again. And uh, wasn't the best thing. So who else is, is in this thing, apart from dreary old Elliot Wright? There's a career that finished ages ago. Not that we ever thought it was a career. So here's... Uh, who's that one? That's Elliot Wright. God, he's aged, isn't he, really? That's Mark Foster. And uh, Alexander Armstrong will host the show, and it will end with six stars taking their clothes off at the London Palladium. I'm sure I really want to see that. They won't be, of course. Uh, Ashley Banjo will prepare the stars for the show. Oh, God. And uh, that's Harry Judd. As I say, we've seen all of Harry Judd. You don't need that many people to strip off, do you? And at the very end, they sort of do the... Elliot Wright's just creepy. Very creepy. What's that bit there? Oh, that's that when they, they did it before. Elliot's done this before, hasn't he? He's done it before. And uh, Wayne Sleep... He's not going to join the line. He's not gonna... Please God, he's not going to take his clothes off. Please God, he can't be. David Metcalf actor, Matthew Wolfenden. I've heard of the name, but I've no idea who he is. And who's that one there? Ashley Banjo. He started wearing very odd clothes. The original film starred Robert Carlyle and focused on a, on a group of minors, doesn't it? Uh, I tell you what they're making lots of episodes of, lots of um, film versions of. The, uh, the, um, the heist in Hatton Garden. There's about four films. How boring. There's already one at the cinema. Then there's another one, then television are making one, and then somebody else is making one. How many more interpretations do we need 
of real lack of imagination at the moment, you know. So it's a bunch of old geriatrics who were all in Nick now because they're so stupid who decided to go for a heist and then they got caught. Didn't take very long. Mind you, they haven't found all the uh, all the bits and pieces, have they yet? Mainly because they weren't sure what was actually in the cash boxes. I mean, I've got stuff in mine. I don't want to talk about it. You know, I'm in one of these sort of boxes. And then, um, I mean, also on TV, uh, CW tweets that the Strictly winner or Aduba is already in everything. Oh, I know, to the point of boredom. You can't get away from it. I mean, you know, why does he just go, no, thank you? He's obviously his agent's trying to make as much money before the old thing collapses, I suppose. That's how it works, generally speaking. Uh, Steve says, Nick in Surrey, starting to get very annoyed with the BBC, dragging the same old faces out to present these dull shows. May as well get all the stupid pe- people out of the green room on the Jeremy Kyle show. It's the same people, though, isn't it? Once they start using somebody, before you know where they are, they're used on everything. And you think, oh, God, boredom, boredom. Uh, Steve, if you want the contents of your deposit box back, bring a spade down to the old orchard next to the old stone barn down the old farm track of the old country lane. Is that the one you have to knock three times and ask if Boris is in? I want, I want the contents of my <laughs> the box back again. People put all sorts of things, don't you? I mean, in, in, in these saved... I mean, I've never been rich enough to have a safety deposit box, but I'm told you don't... As long as you can pay the monthly fee, doesn't make... You know, I could go in there and save sort of apple cores or something like that, which I wouldn't. Uh, did you see the remake of Dirty Dancing last night, says Jane? It was so bad... It was uh, compelling watching. Is this the one that had uh, Nicole Scherzinger in? Is this the one that got absolutely slated because it was so bad, or was that something else? <laughs> uh, Matt says, my neighbours put their Christmas decorations up. Bit early. I don't think so. No, I think you can put... De- well, it depends what sort of... You know, if they're putting balloons up and put sort of paper chains, that might be a little bit too much, but Christmas lights are OK. That's fine. Yes, says Jane, Dirty Dancing was with Nicole Scherzinger. So bad I kept laughing in all the wrong places. Yes, it's, it's odd, isn't it? She, they put her in over here. She went into um, a musical and they said she was very good. And, uh, and then she was going to do it in America and then television beckoned and she decided to tell America to stick it so that she could be on the, uh, the television. I think, I don't know, I just know she was a pussycat doll and that was about the extent of it. It was Cats the Musical she did over here. And, uh, and she got good reviews for that. People sort of liked it, but then apparently you know, once people start thinking you're stretching it a little bit, that uh, on Broadway, so she could return to the X Factor, she pulled out. And I can imagine Andrew Lloyd Webber must have been furious. You know, people just, there's no loyalty. Mind you, she'll go crawling back. When the television work dries up, they'll go crawling back. They always do that. Uh, Steve, I watched the new Dirty Dancing last night. Utter rubbish. I was hoping the baby's dancing got better towards the end, but it only got worse. The acting was shocking. Thought it was a joke at first. Nicole was quite good, though. Uh, Jeff says it's excruciating to watch Matt Baker constantly sucking up and praising his guests about how wonderful they are and how great their work is. Makes you feel sick to watch. And Alex Jones is uh, is just as bad. Bring back Jeremy Vine or can you do it? Um, it's very, I tell you what the, what the difficult thing is on television. It's difficult to be genuine. It's very difficult to actually do an interview with somebody and make it look as though you're not sucking up to them because because all your expressions are out there. Radio, it's so much easier. You can just go, you look really great this morning. Privately going, as if, you know, I thought your film was fantastic. Rubbish. Wouldn't go and see that if you paid me. You know, but on television, you have to do the whole thing. And poor, poor Matt Baker is not a great presenter. He was very, he's very good at country. Fight. Stick him in a field with a pair of Wellingtons and he can do his sort of Blue Peter extended act. But sit him in the studio, he's hopeless. And he's been doing it for so long and he still hasn't got it right. Alex, what's her face, the little Welsh girl, very sweet. They've tried to promote her. She's, no, no, she doesn't. 
got it. They've they've stuck her on various programmes and they've sort of resorted to the the other plain one, Mel Gidroich. And uh, and sort of so Mel is now branching off by herself. But the trouble is she's just not very interesting. And she's so bland. It's the blandness. You know, but there again, I'm quite, I'm quite enjoying all these sort of political programmes and I'm gradually working out the allegiance to which the presenters are spreading themselves. Fairly thinly in some cases. Fairly thinly. But, but when you get sort of personalities, you know, on there, it's like, you know, when you watch Strictly Come Dancing, it's the same tired old formula each time. You know you're going to get Claudia Winkleman who's going to sort of bat her eyelids and pretend she's 18 as opposed to being 60. You know, and you're going to get Tess Daly, the people are going, where did she come from? How did she get this gig? I mean, she was never a great presenter to start with. And, you know, and then you get the people on and you go, oh, they're a celebrity, are they? Oh, good Lord. Oh, I had no idea. And then you turn on Big Brother and you realise that we're now watching car crash television. We're watching people who are so disgusting and vile and rude and offensive that there's nowhere else to put them on apart from a television programme like Love Island or Big Brother. Sometimes even the celebs on Big Brother. We did a thing the other day on how many have walked out. Daniela Westbrook walked out. Well, of course, she'd have to. Gemma Collin, I can't do it. Pathetic waste of space. Seriously, these people, I don't know how they get through life. It must be really traumatic going, going to, the, to the supermarket, pushing a truck. Where's the cake gone? Well, it's a bit like that, isn't it? They don't know what they're doing half the time. They need somebody to guide them through life because they're so inadequate. They can't do anything. You know, so they go on and talk about how inadequate they are and how, you know, people pick it. I can remember Kerry Katona when she was on with uh, with Pip Schofield, and, uh, and she said, are you saying I'm drunk? And I thought, you're just not pleasant, are you? You're just not pleasant. There's no need for that kind of thing on television. These people only get the oxygen because there are magazines like OK and Closer and all the rest of it that put these deadbeats in there. And there are other people. I've seen people sitting on the train reading it. I've sat on the train reading it. I'm always amazed, amazed by by some of the, the interviews, as if these people were celebrities. Steve Allen on LBC. I was going to tell you my duck story the other day. Ducks seem to be of the, uh, of the moment. And, um, and this was... I got home day before yesterday. And I was putting some stuff in the boot of the car. And I'm uh, not sort of thinking about anything at all. And all of a sudden I heard... Wah, wah. Wah, wah. And I thought, well, I wonder what that is thinking it's got to be a duck. And so I'm looking around, and the car park was quite empty, actually, and there it was in the corner. Whack, whack. Whack, whack. I thought, oh, no. Because you don't just get the duck, you get the ducklings with it. And this one had four, which is actually quite uh, quite a small amount, because the last time we had it, a 13. 13. And uh, most of them generally do not survive. Anyway, this one's in a car park. So we are near the river, but it's it's got to cross two roads to get to it. And I'm thinking, don't go on the main road. It's going to be carnage. Total carnage. Because these little ducklings, they're tiny. They just squeak. She's... And so she's walking around the car park and I'm thinking, oh God. And then she goes up into another bit of the car park. Next thing, I'm sort of standing there thinking, what do I do? I'm trying to shut my mind off thinking, the last time we did this, we had problems with the duck because once the duck has had the ducklings, they generally keep them away from all the male ducks who are looking for a little bit of ours, your father. And so I was thinking, oh, God, this is going to be terrible. Anyway, cut a long story short, this woman comes towards me and she goes, uh, have you seen a duck? I thought, yes. I said, yeah, it's up there. So she went, oh, she said, I've just, I've just got my, uh, my boss. She said, he's just getting a cardboard box to put it in. I said, what, you think you're going to catch it? She went, yes. I said, good luck there. No chance. 
no chance of catching... You know, the only way you can ever catch a duck and ducklings is with a net. That's the only thing you can ever do. And because we've had trouble before, she said, I'm going to call the RSPCA. I said, they won't do anything. I said, they're in a terrible mess at the moment. I said, they've lost their the, the man who ran the company. They're not pe- People are joining the RSPCA. They've got all sorts of problems. I said, they're not coming out for ducklings, believe you me. Because if you remember, we tried it before. And uh, they went, oh, they'll find their own way. I went, I don't think so. We're 60 foot up in the air. What do you mean, find their own way? So anyway, so we, we get a cardboard box from my friend Leon. And she attempts, two of them, to capture this duck. Wait, wait. She's not having anything to do with it. The duck is sort of walking round. I mean, it's like, it's basically, you can exhaust yourself. The duck will keep walking, and the ducklings just... And they all run behind her. It's like a cartoon film. And it was very sweet, but eventually, after about five minutes, I did get slightly bored. And so I said, well, you know, um, she said, oh, we've caught the ducklings. I said, oh, great. The duck takes off. The duck takes off. So now we've got no duck, but four ducklings in a cardboard box. Like that. No more. None of that. None of that was going on at all. And so, and the next thing, it's like it's like we're in a film. The duck's back, but it's circling the building. It's now. It's like doing reconnaissance. It's like in a, in a bomber during the war. It's going round and round and round and round. And down here, we've got the little duck thing. And the duck. <laughs> Seriously, I was. Losing, I nearly started drinking, but I thought no, not at eight thirty in the morning. 20 to 9, I could have done it, but uh, not at 8.30. And so this duck's circling for ages. So in the end, they don't know what to do. And I, I then uh, said, well, um, I have, I've got things to do, actually. I paint my toenails. And so I sort of left them to it, because I'd done my bit. I got them the cardboard box. But there was no way that this duck was going to be landing, because now it couldn't see the ducklings, because they were in the cardboard box. But I'm assuming they've got really good hearing. So anyway, later on in the day, I came down. I had a look in the cardboard box. No ducklings. And so I said, um, she then came out and she said, oh, she said, um, uh, the ducklings have gone. I said, I'll see that. I said, where, where have they gone to? She said, uh, well, she said, we couldn't get through to the RSPCA. They weren't answering the phone. I said, well, they wouldn't. They get inundated at this time of year. So they took them to the vets up the road and the vets said that he would look after them. Carefully getting some hoisin sauce out and wrapping a little pancake up with some cucumber. You know, I'm uh, cruel, of course. But... Um, and so I said, oh, did you, did you get the mother? She said, no. She said, but after we'd taken the ducks up the road, the ducklings, the mother reappeared sitting on the roof of the building, still going, whack, 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 whack. I said, you murderer. You've taken away the children. She's now got no idea where they are, unless you say to her, they're in the vets up the road, which didn't help at all. So uh, the end result was, you know, mother... No children anymore. Ducklings going to end up probably in a sanctuary somewhere, together with, I should imagine, hundreds of other ducks. Because when we did it years ago, and here's some advice for you, if you end up with ducks and they will come back to the same place, if you've got upturned terracotta pots, they will nest in them. And uh, we had 13 ducklings one, one year. But anyway, we were very lucky. We managed to catch them all and the mother, put them in a cardboard box, and we took them down to the river, being really good citizens, thinking we've done the right thing. Wrong. The moment we released them onto the river, there was carnage. Every duck dive-bombed the ducklings because they wanted the mother. Because presumably now she's had the ducklings, she's ready to be, you know, again. And uh, whatever ducks do, I don't know. And so the, the ducklings, it was cut, seriously, I mean, it, it traumatised us. So if, if you do get them, as I say, try with a sanctuary. If you don't have any joy, leave them to it. They'll find their own way out. But uh, it was all whack, 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 whack. 
And now she's uh, she's not quacking anymore because she's presumably gone back to the river to meet somebody else. So they're like ducks. They're very free and easy, really. I feel quite peckish, all this talk about ducks, Steve. Oh, please. They're, I think they're different ducks. I don't think you can actually go to a river and sort of claim a duck and then sort of expect to end up like that. And Linda says, love your ducklings. Uh, I thought it was mean of the neighbours. to. Uh, they weren't a neighbour. Uh, to steal them away like that, however well met. You have to. They could have got run over on the road. What do you do if you've got ducklings wandering around in the high street? You can't have it. Bad enough, we had a squirrel one time. That was even worse. And Sonia says, these past few weeks has been such a miserable time uh, for all the awful news we've had. So your episode with the duck and the ducklings had me laughing. Yes, there's not been many laughs, has there, on the programme, I have to say. Steve Allen on LBC. Poor old Louise Redknapp, not looking promising, is it, for Louise Redknapp? The woman so desperate to be famous for doing something apart from just marrying quite well and being in a group called Eternal, which seemed like an eternal for us, uh, almost like a lifetime. Anyway, her, uh, her makeup firm has just, uh, has just been sold on to somebody else. Huge losses, 1.7 million. It's obviously not very successful at that either. It's not very good. The, uh, the company racked up 1.7 million. The company was called Wild About Beauty. It was sold for just 75,000 quid. That to pay off people left, right and centre. They always say afterwards, don't they? Oh, she really worked hard for it. Quite clearly not. Quite clearly not. Hence racking up that kind of, uh, that sort of money. But anyway, at least you won't have any sort of, sort of worry about rehearsals and things like that. Perhaps you can, because there was talk about her marriage splitting up and then she said, oh no. And then they went, oh, you know, why? And she said, well, when we heard that, we were lying in bed together and all that kind of thing. It doesn't mean to say the marriage isn't going to split up. Generally speaking, there's no smoke without fire, isn't there? In a case like this, if it's a celebrity story, I think people always go, but why would somebody, you know, you don't say about, I don't know, I was going to say the Beckhams or somebody like that, or Prince William. You don't say, oh, the marriage is on the rocks there. You don't say that, do you? Because you go, it looks fine. And yet they say it about her. And I can't, I can't, remember why you would say it about her and I think it was because didn't her husband complain that she was away too long during strictly for the rehearsals and that kind of thing and so that that adds a bit more to it doesn't it so before you know where you are the story builds up and then they start doubting it and then they say oh of course she's now staying at her mother's and you go oh I don't know is that is that right or is it not should we be bothered about people's marriages oh absolutely if they're celebrities yes absolutely and the reason being is that they sell stories about their marriages you know, at the moment, you've got on the front of OK magazine, Fern McCann, droning on about the fact she's pregnant. Like, what is she, the first woman? She's always pregnant. She's always pregnant. And, of course, sometimes she has down moments and sometimes she doesn't. But she's still happy enough to pose for a photo shoot and tell you about the fact that she's got pregnant for a bloke who isn't with her anymore and she's going to deny him access. I don't think that one will succeed very quickly, but nevertheless, it's always interesting. And, uh, and that's why we're interested in them, because these people actively sell every part of their life. You know, Peter Andre could never, ever complain about harassment from the press because he actively courts the press. He actively, you know, sells stories about him and his family. You know, in the moment they were doing something. What were they doing the other day? It was something very boring that Peter Andre was doing. Probably on holiday or something, I don't know, with the gorgeous children, because he loves his kids. Victoria Beckham's in all the papers today. She says, I'm not really miserable. You see, now, why would you say that unless people are saying you're miserable? You look miserable all the time. It's the big glasses. She wears them because she's, you know, Brooklyn at the milkshake bar and Dave coming in with ice cream all around his face and burger and kebabs and stuff like that. That's why she wears the dark glasses, even though she's nowhere near the family at the time. She still wears the dark glasses. And she says she's not as miserable as she looks in snaps and her marriage would be over if she does. It's just the fact she's not photogenic. She's not a photogenic person. She does. Some people are photogenic and they're called models. 
And that means that when they look like the back of a bus, they can wake up first thing in the morning and they still look fantastic and they photograph brilliantly. Victoria Beckham doesn't photograph brilliantly. She can pose, she can pout, she can do this sort of I'm looking mean and moody kind of thing. She just doesn't look attractive. Nobody's ever going to be saying, you know, it's, you know, she's sort of one of these people who's really good, you know, at, at sort of posing. Because I don't think she's happy with the way she looks. You can't change it. As, as far as selling every aspect of your family goes, that family, are the, even the kids, I know, I know. Oh, what, in the Beckhams? I know it's bizarre, isn't it? Because Brooklyn's multi-talented, multi-talented, collecting parking tickets. And uh, he's, he's a photographer. Because you've often seen him, haven't you, snapping away? No, never seen any of that at all. But luckily, he gets his box brownie out. Then you've got one who's a little model for Burberry. Well, a couple of times. There was one who nearly had a singing career. And then the, the dress designer in the family, uh, Harper Seven, um, is apparently, I mean, so talented. And Dave, of course, every time I see that whiskey advert for Dave, I do smile because there's Dave holding a whiskey. You see him going, Tori, it smells. I don't like the smell of it. Or milkshake, banana. You know, because you just, t- you could just look at Dave Beckham to realise he doesn't drink whiskey. He's not a whiskey. He hasn't got the faintest idea. It's just an advertising thing. It's like, I'm not even totally convinced he wears the pants he advertises either, unless they send them for free. But it's always entertaining, isn't it? Because that's what that's what we sort of get off on nowadays. We get off on what celebrities and in inverted commas actually get up to. And the answer is, in the case of the Beckhams, it's this insatiable urge to be all over the place. I mean, you know, I'd like to see a year where where there are no sort of stories about the Beckhams because there's not one story that's interesting. You know, if I'd seen Victoria Beckham or Dave or Brooklyn turning up down there to help with food distribution or so, I could understand it. But there isn't. You'd never see anything like that at all. You know, I don't know what they give to charity, if indeed they give anything. I don't know. At one time, they used to... Yeah, we know he works for UNICEF, but that's that's photo opportunities, isn't it? Do you think anybody knows who David Beckham is in some of these countries? Of course they don't. They've got no idea. You ask people, you know, around Shepherdswood, do you know David Beckham? Uh, no. Because people don't. He was a footballer years ago. Now he just spends his time trolling around all over the world or doing a motorbike run. I'm surprised he's not brought a record out. I'm very surprised. Mind you, she tried that and that didn't really work too successfully. But that's it. And so then she has to issue a thing saying, I'm not really miserable. They've got the best agent under the sun. I mean, they literally pump out the whole family. I just, I just, you know, it, it's a bit difficult, isn't it, really? Because they don't really succeed in anything. I mean, she's, you know, she's got a fashion company. It's not particularly brilliant. It's had to be propped up on numerous occasions. You know, Dave's got his money and just faffs around with the photographer. So they go, here's, here's Dave going to the gym. And all I'm thinking is, can't you afford one at home? Can't you afford a home? All the posh places I've ever seen, Notting Hill, Et Al and other places, they've got gyms in the basement with a pool. They haven't. I don't think they've even got a pool in their Notting Hill house, which is very worrying because you could have bought a lovely house in Westminster with a great pool. But they don't have that and they don't have a gymnasium. So he has to go to, uh, he goes to a gymnasium with a photographer. So they take a picture of him going to a gymnasium. And that's it. That's the extent of his life. You know, Dave goes out to buy a pizza. Most people have them delivered. Dave goes out to buy a pizza. I don't think she cooks. I don't think she's there most of the time, but I don't think she cooks or anything like that. I can't imagine that any of them can. Do you think Dave goes, uh, pizza? I, don't, I bet they've got the most immaculate kitchen going. Or as I reckon, Peter Andre's probably got roughly the same, because he doesn't look like he cooks either, does he? Even though he tried to pretend in one of his shows that, you know, they have these huge family lunches, which is, like, I suspect everybody else does the cooking. And Peter just goes around going, mysterious girl, mysterious girl. And then she walks in. Oh, it's lovely Ems again, isn't it? Ems who's doing her posy-posy shots. I don't know. It's all too worrying, isn't it?
Those are all the highlights I've got time for this morning. Don't forget, I'm back live from five o'clock tomorrow morning and we'll be with you for the 4am spike all next week too. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.